0: Today on this edition of the Four City Church Elgin podcast, teaching Pastor Steve Carter has his one-shot message titled "When was God at the pinnacle of His Perfection?" Um, hey, quick question real quick. Um, who who's been married longer than 10 years? show of hands. Oh man, that's a lot of hands right now, okay? Uh, 20 years? Uh, 30 years? Okay, 40 years? 42 years 45 years Man, we're about to take this outside. We got a little battle over here. 50 years? Oh. All right. All right. 52 years? The ba- Oh, the balcony of 52 years? No. Okay. Oh. All right. Oh, 50. Okay, 54. The Schmitz. The Schmidts. Wow. Well done. Okay. Okay. Um, uh, anybody engaged? Anybody want to be engaged? Uh, okay. okay, okay. Uh who who has gotten married in the last year? Right there. Okay, all right, all right, all right, all right. Okay. Um, just so you know, uh this is all going somewhere. Uh, for a prop, okay. So, um, I, is there is there a couple? Because there's sometimes where one couple, um, where one spouse is okay with being noticed, and the other spouse is like, I don't want anybody to look at me. And then there's uh, there are some yeah. <laughs> then there's some spouses or some couples where both are or like, I don't want anybody looking at me. And then there are couples where both are okay to be seen and noticed? Is there any couples where both are seen and okay to be noticed and used as a prop? Oh, that was in the low. Uh... Okay, all right, the Lindberghs, fantastic. <laughs> okay, you, you don't have to do anything yet. You don't have to do anything yet, but we will, we'll, we'll go, we'll go. So this is my one shot, my one chance, my one opportunity, my palms are sweaty, my spaghetti. Now, um, here's the deal, here's the deal. I, 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 when I went to, to college, uh, I went to Cal State Florida and Hope International University. And when I went to Hope International University, every Tuesday and Thursday, it was pretty much mandatory we had to go to convocation, to go to chapel. And if you didn't go to enough chapels, which our Judson students can tell you, um, then there was a, some level of punishment that was brought upon you. But every time you go to the chapel, they would have a different speaker. And that speaker would often bring their one best message. So I remember as a freshman, there was a pastor by the name of Evie Hill. Anybody know the name Evie Hill? Evie Hill, all right, one person. Evie Hill could preach, he could preach the paint off the walls. And I had never heard about Evie Hill. Evie Hill was from Los Angeles, uh, like this notorious preacher. And I don't know how we got him, but he shows up. And with his one shot, delivered a message, and I was a film major at the time that made me actually believe. I want to do that. I want to do that. I, I I don't know. I don't know if I can ever do that. But if that is what you call preaching if that is like what happens when you open up the word of God, if, that, if that's what actually can move a bunch of 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 28-year-olds because some needed more time, like if that can actually happen, I want to give my life to that. And so I want to give a message because it was Evie Hill's one shot that inspires this message today. And here it is. It's centered on a question. Here's my question. Here's my question. Here's my question. When was God at the pinnacle of perfection? When was God at the pinnacle of perfection? Maybe another way to say it is when was God at the apex of greatness? And what I want you to do is I want you just to take a moment, turn to the person beside you and think about all throughout the entire scriptures, when was God at the pinnacle of perfection? When was God at the apex of greatness? Take a few moments, share that and then I will continue on. All right, all right. I know probably some of you some of you begin right at the very beginning of the scriptures. Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, which in Hebrew is betasheet. Let me hear you say sheet. Watch your mouth. Now, um, what's amazing is sheet starts with a second letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And what's so amazing is just right from the beginning, God creates the heavens and the earth. And I, I don't know about you, but do you ever just find yourself just fascinated with creation? Uh, My family and I, we're actually moving to Illinois this coming week. It's been, yeah, we're excited, we're excited. Coming back home. Last time we were here, the Cubs won a World Series, and the Bears were terrible. We'll see what we can do. We'll see what we can do. Now, here's what I need you to know. Over the last couple months, my family and I, we've been trying to soak up as much as we can in the state of Arizona. My wife's name's Sarah, so I refer to it as Sarazona. And we've been going to different places around Sarazona, the Grand Canyon. One of my favorite places, I don't know if any of you have been there, I know Sharon Swing, she and her husband went there recently, but it's in Antelope Valley. And you go and you drop down on kind of Navajo Native American land, hundred and fifty yards into these caves. My daughter and I we went, and it's unbelievable. And you are like walking around in the caves, the colors. I mean, it's absolutely stunning. And then, and then like you go two miles from there, two miles from there, and you literally find yourself walking about 20 minutes, two miles from there to Horseshoe Bend. And this is just a picture of Horseshoe Bend. Just absolutely stunning. Every place you go, when you start to see God's handiwork, you start thinking, man, the pinnacle of perfection, apex of greatness. It's got to be his creation, and I don't even got to space yet. I mean, have you, have you all just been following these telescopes that we are able to now see the world in? I mean, like, look, look at this. This is from that, that that satellite that went up into the <laughs> into the sky on on Christmas, the John Webb, I believe it is telescope, and it's unbelievable. So let's just let's do a little science. Any science teachers here? Okay, good. I'm not going to get called out. All right. Now, check this out. The speed of light. Does anyone know what the speed of light is? 176,000 miles per hour, the speed of light. A light year is 176,000 times 24 times 365. That's how we get one light year. And the stars that we are seeing right now are light years away. And this telescope can go up and it can showcase and see pictures. In July, they're saying that we're going to be seeing pictures of light years away. Stars that have been shining that we've never been able to see. And I know, I know. When I sing that song, Jesus is the center of it all. Have you even just thought about the Milky Way galaxy? I mean, I thought this whole world was like all wrapped around the Milky Way galaxy. And the truth is... Oh, we're one of, like, trillions of galaxies. This whole thing is getting more and more expansive, and scientists are cutting down atoms to quarks to be able to get to, like, even something that's so, so minute and small that, like, literally, they can actually cut a molecule, an atom, supercharge it, move it in New York, and there will be a reaction in Los Angeles... If I had one shot, I think the pinnacle of perfection, the apex of greatness, it could be creation. But I don't think it is. I don't think it is. Some of you might be saying, well, maybe when God created man, you get to Genesis chapter 2, and God just starts creating like a massive artist out of the dirt of the ground. He literally gets this sense where he like leans over and he puts his image so that every one of us bears the image of God. Every one of us, he shapes, he forms, he makes. And let's just be honest, the things that man has created. I mean the telescopes. the f- game of football. <laughs> the things that man has created.'re we're talking We're talking just incredible. Inc- I mean, we're talking Teslas or Rivians, We're talking internet, we're talking technology. All of this great creator putting it into every one of us to be able to create and to plant and to cook and to make great food. And some of you might be saying, man, that is the apex of greatness, the pinnacle of perfection. I don't think so. Maybe for some of you, you think about Genesis chapter 12, when God just sees a man, and the scriptures basically get this sense where one man, Abram, who grew up in Chaldea, which is where astrology began, a whole area known around idolatries, looking up at the stars. And the rabbis believe that when Abram's looking up at the stars, he begins to start to wonder. No way that idol made that. And the rabbinic midrash, the belief is that all of a sudden, the heavens came in and began to tell Abram to leave everything and to go. He was going to be a father of nations. And he goes. And he's a little bit curious because he's 80 something, 90 something, been married to a woman named Sarah. And, and all of a sudden he's like, she hasn't been able to, to, to kind of produce a son, a daughter, a child. And he's in his mind going, There's no way this is possible. But God says to go, to go be a blessing to many nations. And the beautiful thing is, he goes, he goes. Maybe for some of you, you're like, man, this this story of how God can just begin to call someone to go do something extraordinary. You get this whole story, and you begin to walk through the entire scriptures, and you begin to see that this nation begins to grow. And it grows rapidly, 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 so much so that a powerful nation goes, we're nervous, we're nervous, we're nervous. So what do people in in, in situations of power, when they get nervous, do? They often oppress, and they begin to oppress this people group, and they start to kind of create moments for them to build in slavery and find their worth in what they create and make and build. And if they don't meet their quota, they're beaten. And these people begin to cry out. And at the heart of God, always hears the cries of the oppressed. Maybe for some of you, that's where you think God is at his very best. Him hearing the cries of the oppressed and begins to take these former slaves and take them on a journey. But to do that, this god ends up going after every single Egyptian god. We know him as the miracles. But these miracles, every single one of them are directly against an Egyptian deity. Because the thought was gods had certain zip codes. So there might be a God that controlled Elgin, but that God did not actually have power in Hoffman Estates. And the God of Hoffman Estates did not have power in the God of Barrington. And the God of Barrington did not have power over the God of South Elgin. And the God of Rockford had all the power. (laughs) Now, what's what's amazing, though, is you have this sense where all of a sudden this Hebrew God, Yahweh, was beginning to say, no, 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 I have jurisdiction over it all. And all of a sudden, Egypt begins to freak out. So then these slaves begin to take off, and they run. And maybe for some of you, you're like, this is amazing, is that God can actually use someone who's so under-resourced, so oppressed, and actually bring them to a place. But before he does that, he takes them to the desert. And you don't want to go to the desert. It's hot. 119 today in Phoenix, 119. And I'm up here teaching in a jacket. What am I thinking? (laughs) Sweating my head off right now. <laughs> but here's the thing, here's the thing. What's amazing about, about God is God was always looking for a people. And so what does God do? God gives the, these people the Ten Commandments. And what are the Ten Commandments? They're wedding vows. Because God was looking at First Commandment. First Commandment is, hey, you should have no other gods. Or in wedding language, no other lovers. It's just me. It's just me. Every one of the Ten Commandments we're a wedding vow. If you've ever been to a Jewish wedding, the power of the ketubah, you're literally signing this contract to actually be in relationship. And who does God want to be in relationship with? Former slaves. The oppressed. The ones who have to cry out to God and God hears those cries. Maybe for some of you, you're like, this is, this is the most amazing story. That is God at the pinnacle of perfection, the apex of greatness. Maybe, maybe that's it. Or maybe maybe it's the fact that it doesn't stop there. For so many generations, God had been telling the Hebrew nation, there's a land. There's a land, and it is overflowing with milk and honey. It is for you. You just have to trust me. You just have to keep living out these commands, embodying the wedding vows, or in Hebrew focusing on the mitzvot, and there were 613 mitzvot, sacred deeds, commandments, to walk in step and in harmony with the Lord. But it's so easy. It's so easy to be the kind of person who just wants it, but then gets distracted. But God, just in his infinite kindness, continues to believe in these people. He raises up all of these second borns, All of these people that don't on the outside look like they have anything to offer. Little shepherd boys. People who could just go fight giants. And what's incredible, what's so beautiful to me is that we see that God is just constantly, constantly, constantly through the Old Testament wanting to get closer and closer. He created shapes, He forms He gives a marriage vow. He creates, he forms, he empowers them to build a tabernacle. They can set up, tear down, move this tabernacle. It's movement and following clouds during the day until one day he's like, hey, build me a temple. They build a temple and God's presence is there and anyone and everyone can come and try and get close to this presence. This is really what the Old Testament is. And I know some of you are like, okay, you're a pastor. I know what your real story is going to be. Where the pinnacle of perfection, the apex of greatness is. It's in one man named Jesus. And all of a sudden, the Son of God comes. The Son of God comes and he begins to teach and he begins to preach and he begins to showcase exactly what the kingdom of God is all about how we can actually, in John Orberg language, experience how the kingdom of God is closer than the very air that we breathe. He begins to talk about a God that's not distant, but a God that is accessible, and not accessible like buddy Jesus, but this accessible yet powerful, this accessible yet we have this moment of just such profound, profound sense that this God is other. Other yet personal. Powerful yet so personal. And then we learn. We learn that this man, Jesus, goes to the cross. For you and me. A perfect man who comes into a poor village. Nothing good came out of Nazareth. This poor child. Wasn't anything really on the outside we know but he had a fire about him. He was so clear about his mission and he gave his one and only life. So whatever gap we had with sin, we could be at one with God. Literally, it's atonement, to be at one with God. And for some of you, you might say, Good Friday, Good Friday, that's when God, the pinnacle of perfection, the apex of greatness, that alone where he was willing to die That was it. But maybe, maybe not. Because religious leaders died all the time. Maybe you have to fast forward three days and say, well, maybe it's three days later. What Easter is all about, that's the event. That's actually what got disciples in Talmudim to risk their life, to speak to power, was that usually when guys died, they were dead. But somehow when this man rose, everything changed. And maybe for some of you, when you think about the pinnacle of perfection, the apex of greatness, you think about Easter. I think about that, but I think there's more. Maybe it's the fact that before Jesus died in John 14 or John 16, he kept saying, hey, it's actually good for me to go. Because where I am, I can only be present here on earth, but I'm actually gonna send someone who's even better than me. It's better, it's better for me to go. Just imagine if your rabbi, your teacher was like, hey, it's actually really good for me to go because I'm gonna send something that has no physical body, but I promise you he's a counselor and he's an advocate. It's the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, this spirit, Jesus says, is coming. And in the Old Testament, the spirit was for specific people at a specific time for a specific purpose. But Jesus said it's gonna be available to everyone, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. And then we get to Acts 2. That's the story of Pentecost. And people think that they're drunk. All of a sudden, what they begin to see is that every tribe, tongue, and nation is just being brought together. I fast forward. I start reading through the scriptures. Because this whole sermon series, I love the concept. I love the idea. But how do you choose just one moment where God is at his very best? I don't know, it just became super personal to me. Some of you know this, but I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I, uh, I'd experienced abuse as a kid in multiple facets. And one day, one day after playing basketball as a seventh grader, two juniors in high school who I absolutely adored and loved, I didn't know that they were Jesus' people, I just knew that they were cool and there was something different about them. Their names were Dominic and Nathan, but they went by the name Dominate, which is just awesome. And I'll never forget Dominic walking up to me after playing basketball and he said, hey, Carter, and I didn't even think he knew my name. He said, do you want to learn how to dominate life? And to this day, it's the greatest question that anybody ever, ever asked me. For the next like six, seven months, they started to disciple me. They took me to In N Out, which, if you've never been to In N Out, it's the greatest hamburger place ever. <clears throat> the Shekinah glory of the Lord descends in burgerly form. It's, <clears throat> it's amazing. But they discipled me. And I'll never forget, I'll never forget six months, seven months later, I'm sitting in church, and all of a sudden the pastor, Pastor Charlie Maloney at Camreal Christian Church, delivers a moment, a message, and, and then offers a moment. Does anybody want to be baptized? And I was sitting right in the back over there. I would rode my bike to church. And like a pastor often does, extends a moment a little too long. And he's like, I think someone wants to be baptized here. And I'm just going to wait. And I'm looking, going, he's looking at me. And I could feel a little bit of the conviction of the Lord, but I didn't know what it was. And so I looked down at my shirt, and it just says, just do it. As a Nike shirt. So I'm like, all right, Lord, yes. I come forward. I get baptized in a robe in this little baptismal hot springs that the pastor had in the back. And my life was forever changed. And it's amazing because you can think about like, when was God at his apex of greatness? I could say creation. I could say when he shaped and formed man. I could talk about the law. I could talk about the word. I could talk about how God was just constantly moving. I could talk about Jesus. I could talk about death. I could talk about the burial. I could talk about the resurrection. I could talk about the spirit, but all of that is outside of me. If I had one shot to tell you, it would just be one story of a God who saw a little kid and didn't want to give up on him. The truth is God doesn't want to give up on you. The truth is that God, for many of us, we know facts about Jesus. We know facts about Jesus. Like, I know that in February 17th, 1963, there was a man that was born in Brooklyn, New York. I could tell you all about this man. I could tell you by the age of two, he moved to North Carolina. I could tell you facts about this man. I could tell you how he went to Laney High School in North Carolina. I could tell you how he got cut from his varsity basketball team. I could tell you as a junior, he made the team. I could tell you as a senior, was an All-American. I could tell you he went to the University of North Carolina. I could tell you he hit the game-winning shot over the Georgetown Hoyas led by Patrick Ewing. I could tell you how he was drafted after Sam Bowie, poor guy, at number three. I could tell you how he was the rookie of the year. I could tell you about the story of him and the USA national team in 84, I could tell you about the flu game, I could tell you about how he met his wife Juanita at a Bennigan's, remember Bennigan's restaurants? I could tell you how they dated, broke up, dated, broke up, I could tell you the stats, I could tell you the facts behind why this man didn't wanna sign with Nike, but he did. I could tell you the story behind his first shoe, I could tell you many, many, many facts about Michael Jeffrey Jordan. But the truth is, I've never met him. You know what we call those people? Stalkers. And let's just make this really plain. Some of you know a lot of facts about Jesus, but here's my question. Do you actually know him? Do you actually believe how much he wants to know you? So let's just bring this straight to the text. There's a passage in scripture, and this is the one that's wrecked me all kind of the last month thinking about this series. And it says this in Ephesians chapter five. It's Paul writing. And Paul says this in verse 25. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave, your servant, thank you, gave, no, you're fine, you're awesome, gave himself up for her. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, so to make her set apart, cleansing her with, by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, No one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. So let's play this out. Mark Lindberg, can you come up here for a second? All right, Mark, I want you to stand right here right here okay fantastic awesome alright and can you come back with me back here sorry balcony you're in the cheap seats alright Saray, let's close these doors alright okay alright awesome hey hey, cornbread can we, uh, can we uh, put our little, uh, a little wedding beat behind this alright all right. Oh, look how you just did that. All right. So here's here's the moment. Okay. How long have you been married? Married uh, 16 years. 16 years. Fantastic. Okay. So here's what I want you to do. Imagine we're at a ceremony right now. All right. The doors have just opened. The, the, the organist begins to play the music. The mother of the bride stands. What do you all do? What do you all do? Okay. So stand. Stand. Okay. So Ann Lindbergh, can you walk down? Oh, look at the posture and the pace. Oh, she's amazing. It's amazing. All right. Okay. All right. So, so here's what I want you to do: keep walking, keep focusing on, keep focusing, keep focusing. Okay. All right. Okay. Let's let's just stop right here. Stop right here. Stop right here. You know what's amazing about a wedding? Is have you ever been to a wedding where the bride begins to walk down the aisle? And all of a sudden you're like, she's ugly. You've never said you've never heard that before. You've never heard that before. Anytime a bride begins to walk down an aisle, everyone stands with such awe and beauty. And they say, they say words like, she's never been more stunning. She's never been more radiant. She's never been more beautiful. And where is her eyes the whole time? On our man. A mark. Now, now let's take this even let's take this even farther. What's so beautiful about this is what often happens though is that we are the bride. And we as the bride begin to walk and we begin to go, hey man, how you doing? And we take our eyes off, off Jesus. And and for some of us we're like, well, what does he think of me? she think of me? And all of a sudden, we through life, or then we go, oh, you know what? The strains. I got some stuff I gotta talk about. The strains about, I don't really, that's passive aggressive. I don't. I just, it's for the preach. But like, all of a sudden, we start getting focused and our eyes are off the groom. But let's even take it farther. What's amazing about a wedding is that the groom is standing here and literally watching the bride. But this is how, how actually God works, is that our whole life is beginning to walk with our eyes fixated, but you know what's amazing? The groom moves. In a wedding, the groom doesn't move unless he passes out, which I have seen in a wedding, but the groom moves and what the groom is looking for and Mark, I want you to look out of this room. The groom is looking for somebody who's hurting. The groom is looking for someone who needs to be loved. The groom is looking for someone who needs to be reminded that they matter. The groom is constantly looking for someone who might be far from the presence of God. The groom is on the search for the one. And we often in the church want the groom that's all about the 99. This groom is all about the one who... So here's what I want you to do. I want you just to go stand somewhere where maybe you sense someone just needs to be cared for, okay? I want to make this so plain because when you go into the marketplace or you go into your school or you go into your neighborhood, this is what we have to be. And now, the bride, where does the bride go? The bride begins to follow. The bride begins to follow where the groom is going. The bride... And groom, don't leave the church. <laughs> right? The, the bride begins to follow. And she begins to go where? Now, now here's, the way, here's what I need you to know. I'm going to make this so plain. And some of you are standing, and I'm tripping. But here's what I need you to know. What I want, what I desire, if I could just put out whatever, my one shot, it would be this. This whole story of God is about people. And I think in this day and age, the one thing, and I'm not saying we've gotten it right already. We're six, seven months old. We're figuring it out. But the one thing I want us to be known for is that we care. We care for where the groom is leading us, but we care for people and care because I used to work in a mega church. I know how to make everything an acronym. CARE is this. Connecting always relationally, emotionally, spiritually. Connecting always relationally, emotionally, spiritually. I have to make it so plain. Connecting always relationally, emotionally, spiritually, relationally. I want to know, how are you doing? Emotionally, how's your mental state? How's your heart? Spiritually. Last weekend, I got a phone call, 4.30 a.m. from Bria our campus pastor. 4.30 a.m. I'm like, what is going on? I don't pick up. I wash my face. I come pick up. And she, she calls to tell me that Mark Bell passed. And I was like, no. No. You can have a seat. But I want you to hear this. You guys can leave together. Go on a honeymoon if you want. I uh, know. No, no, you're going you, <laughs> to... She wants to throw it. Asa! What I want you to see something, though, is the Daily Herald wrote a story before an obituary went out, and my guy Paul sent this to me yesterday about Mark. And The title of the Daily Herald article was this. Streamwood Park District Custodial Manager Bell dies at 63. Just read that title. Custodial Manager Bell dies at 63 in the Daily Herald. And here's what's so incredible. Someone from our community, this is what was said not by church people, but by the city. Look what it says. I, I, I can't stop reading this. grew up in Michigan and was an avid fan of the University of Michigan. That's true. I didn't just add that. That is true. Bell was very involved at his church, enjoyed golfing, and loved to spend time with his family. He and his wife Trish were fixtures at Park District parks, facilities, and events along with their children and grandchildren. Streamwood Park District Commissioner Bill Wright said in a Facebook post on Monday, anyone who knew Mark understood that his family meant everything to him. There wasn't anything he wouldn't do for his family, and I would be hard-pressed to find a more model person than Mark. Pickett used the, the words kind, patient, humble, and hardworking to describe Bell. Mark was a great co-worker and an even better person and friend. He is irreplaceable, and it was truly an honor to get to know him and his love for life. Just play this out. You had Mark Bell who lived his life, who was just walking down an aisle for 26 years serving as a custodial manager and a whole city understood that something was different about this man. Everywhere you go, it doesn't matter if you're male or female, we are all one body. We make up this church and you carry the name of Jesus wherever you go. You carry his name on Facebook. You carry his name on Twitter. You carry his name. You carry his name because we are the bride of And I know it's really, really cool to hate on the church. And I know it's really, really cool. I know, I know, it really is. And I get it, I get it. There's a lot of things, there's a lot of things that we gotta do better. I get that, 100%. That's why it says in the scriptures that pastors and teachers will be judged more strictly. I get that, but can I just tell you one thing? If we are a church that keeps our eyes fixated on the groom, we're not gonna get this wrong and that groom's gonna always move to people who are hurting and struggling and who are far from God and if we can keep caring because that's connecting always relationally, emotionally, spiritually if we become the kind of people who can connect always relationally, emotionally, spiritually following Jesus not making it about us which is really, really hard because we can walk down the aisle and go look at me give me credit give me honor Give me a better seat at the table. See me. And what's so moving to me about Mark Bell, and I'm sorry I keep just bringing this up, but man, that guy never wanted to be in the front. I was talking with Greg and Paul and Katie, and they are just telling me, like, he was the guy who just had a bag of trash in the back he was cleaning up for this place. And I just think of, like, what heaven saw in a servant leader and was like, that's... That's that's it. And we have to make that conscious decision. If we're going to be a part of this, this church, and being a healthy church, a flourishing church, we have to be committed to fix our eyes on the groom. Wherever that groom goes, we're going to go. And we're going to trust and we are going to connect always, relationally, emotionally, spiritually, and so every time we gather, we get to practice that. We get to practice, well, how do we do that? Because if we're really honest, some of us don't know how to do that. We don't know how to connect. We don't know how to ask for help. We don't have to say, man, I'm struggling. But this has to be the kind of place where we care because once we do it here, it makes it easier to do it at Starbucks. It makes it easier to do it downtown. It makes it easier to do it in our neighborhood. It makes it easier. And I'll tell you one thing, one thing that I think will separate us as a people is if we can see the hurting. We can see those with needs. We can see those that are struggling and we actually care. Because that's the gospel. God cared for you. Even when you stalked him, he cared for you. That's the gospel, it came for you. And maybe for some of you, you've forgotten it. You just know the facts. But the invitation is, now that I know it, how do I go? So here's, here's what I love to do. There's going to be some people, I think Leonard, Michael Mims, others, who are just, just going to be up front. Someone might be in the back. Maybe for some of you, you just need, you just need prayer. And this is just a way for us to care. Andy and the team are going to lead us in just a response song. There's no pressure. Maybe you know someone who's hurting. Maybe it's just you in your row and you just gotta grab your husband or grab your friend or grab your roommate. And just say, hey, can we just spend a moment and just pray? But this is space. That if we can't care for each other, we can't follow what God is leading us, it's gonna be really hard for us to do it outside this space. So Leonard will be over there. Michael Mims, over there. I'll be in the back over there. Um, we just we just want to open this time up just for you to, to receive some prayer. So let me just pray and then we'll continue on. God the story still surprises me, moves me. Is that somehow you've taken all of us broken and beautiful people prideful and arrogant, bitter and angry hurting with patterns of dysfunction and struggle and you've trusted us with your story of course you know we're not going to do it perfect but you know that if we keep our eyes fixated on you and your son by the power of your spirit we'll be able to do this and then somehow not just do that for us but to follow you where you are leading us which is always going to be where we can connect and we can invite and we can just build healthy relationships that can help walk with people, be with people and see your healing power at work relationally and emotionally and spiritually. God, I want this to be the kind of church that cares. I want this to be the kind of church that helps people dominate life. I want this to be the kind of church that we truly keep you at the center and fix our eyes on you to guide us, Lord. If anybody's hurting in this house today who just needs a moment to be seen, maybe there's a moment of loss, or maybe, maybe you're just going, man, I, I gotta drive across country. I'm moving like me. And you're just like, I just need prayer. Whatever, whatever that is, God, I pray that we'd be able to take that space to trust and put ourselves out there to allow your spirit to care for us this time. I pray all this your name, and everyone said, You've been listening to Steve Carter with his one-shot message When Was God at the Pinnacle of His Perfection? Thanks for listening.